to another episode of Married Millennials on Mics. I'm Chris. I'm Arielle. Oh, friendships as an adult are way different than when you were a kid. Oh, definitely. Like, it's not just the person that you play Foursquare with in the middle of the street anymore. Oh, I, I miss Foursquare. I do also miss Foursquare. I really do. I think uh, the friendship dynamics are different as an adult um, and also in different stages of adulthood. I'd have to imagine, I mean, even in my life, we're in our 30s now. Mm-hmm. My friendships now are different than they were when I was 25. Oh, absolutely. Or, or 20. Um, and also another layer of it is making friends as an adult is a whole different experience. And can we just say a lot of work? Oh, yeah. Pretty impossible. I feel like it used to be. I remember I was six and there was a girl in my first grade class and she walked up to me in the playground and she said, do you want to be my friend? And I said, yes. And we stayed friends all the way into college. At some point we lost touch. She was a lovely, lovely person. I thought you were going to say that. And that's my maid of honor. Okay. (laughs) I didn't meet her until I was like 12. But but like that was really easy. It was the start of a beautiful friendship that lasted our entire childhood. Right. I feel like now if I see someone, well, a playground's a bad example. If I see someone on a playground, I go up to them. How often do you spend Well, I don't. That's why I'm saying, like, if I'm loitering around a playground, we have a whole different issue. I don't don't have have children. Yeah, I know. Like, but if I go up to someone, I'm like, do you want to be my friend? Like. They think you're drunk or, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously that aside from the drunk girl in line at the bathroom situation where you do become best friends with someone for five minutes, but then you never talk to them Because drunk brain is similar to kid brain, in my opinion. Yeah. Anyways, that's not. It's not, it's really hard to create friendships as an adult. You almost need to be like sly about it, right? Like, so when you're a kid, like it is like, hi, friends. Yes. Great. Do you have chalk? I have candy. Let's play. Right. Yeah. Whereas an adult, yeah, you don't want to like have it be as head on. It's almost like you happen to be at the same like board meeting or whatever and you sit next to each other oh, and you're and, awful. And, and yeah and uh and you're just like, oh hey, board meetings, ha 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 ha. You know, and then it's just like this slow burn where you're like, you don't want to like over flame it, you know, yeah. or, or let it go out and it's a it's a whole dance and it's exhausting. Yeah. And I'm not on any boards. So don't think that I'm like, you know, <laughs> uh important or anything. But uh, if I was Yeah. And then I think that there is something around you end up finding people that you spend time with because you are involved in whether it's similar boards or as our friends are starting to have kids, like the other parents that have kids around the same age, like that's definitely a thing. Like my mom made a lot of friends when I was a kid because they were the parents of other kids in my class. And like you're going through similar life things together. Exactly. You make work friends and you make whatever, but like, I feel like Sometimes that means that you're bonding over something that is more tangible, which is great because you have that in common, but then it still takes time to figure out, okay, is this friendship just because we have this one thing in common? And then Mm. when that thing stops being in common, is there something there or is this, this actually, because like, yeah, we get along really well and like, we want to be friends and this is going to last for a long time. Would you want to hang out with this person? Even if your kids don't want to hang out anymore. Exactly, exactly. Like that's that big question. Is the question. But yeah. I, I do think too, um, you sort of have to do some of that at, as you get older and as things change in general, I yeah. guess throughout our lives, like some of that reflection of like, is this person that I was hung out with a lot in college? Like, is that friendship going to last mm-hmm. as we grow into adults? Are we going to grow apart? Like, is it worth putting the effort in yeah. to staying in touch with someone when they're not across the hall in a dorm. Like Mm -hmm. those are big questions. And I think something that we're going through or we went through recently Mm -hmm. 
that I think every couple does who a lot of has a wedding. Yeah, exactly. Is you literally sit down with like your entire Rolodex of everyone you've ever met in your entire what life. A th- Rolodex. You didn't pull out your Rolodex when uh-huh. you were making the guest list. Is it 1992? Maybe. Uh, no. And you go through and you say, "Welp, of all of the people I've ever met in my entire life, Who's who coming? are the people that I want to be there to celebrate this mm-hmm. really important day?" And something that was interesting in that exercise mm-hmm. is I realized there are these people and I guess I knew this somewhere in the back of my mind, but I hadn't really thought about it who I maybe talk to twice a year, like on my mm-hmm. birthday and their birthday. And then if yeah. something monumental happens, but mm-hmm. I've known for a really long time. And whenever I see them or talk to them, it's like no time has passed. And it's like, no, no, like they need to be at the wedding. They need sure. to be on my guest list. Like, I don't care that like we don't go grab drinks with them every week or, and they mm-hmm. live across, you know, wherever they live that relationship's really, really important to me. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people where it's like, huh, I didn't even realize I hadn't talked to them in two years. Guess they don't need to come to my wedding. Like I honestly, <laughs> I wish that I wish you and I had unlimited funds and we could just invite like I, I think a lot of couples go through that where it's just like, let's just invite everybody we can. But there is a I mean like it's, it's wicked expensive. So like you you are forced to make sometimes these decisions. Yeah. But even if money wasn't a factor, if you didn't even realize you haven't spoken to someone in two years or yeah. three years or whatever, and right. like you don't really miss them and you haven't thought about them mm-hmm. until you're looking at their name on your phone and you're like, huh, do you, I used to be friends with that person. Yeah. Like, do you really want them at your wedding? Do, Probably do, not. Do you feel that the sometimes the earlier the friendship was solidified, uh, the more importance it might have in, in your mind, even if you're not actually currently watering that friendship. And just to kind of explain what I'm getting at is there are people that I haven't really hung out with for a substantial amount of time mm-hmm. in well over a decade. But I couldn't imagine not inviting them to my wedding because at one point they were like part of my inner circle, you know, of yeah. like close friends. And it's kind of weird how they have this, they hold this brain space in my mind of like a really close friend, even though they're absolutely not more so than some of the people I see three times a week. So it makes no sense. It's almost like when you're a kid, I think, you know, things kind of get ingrained in you, you know, early and stick. I think some of that has to do with like the deepness of the relationship in the time that it was important Sure. to some extent, like was this someone who was like so deeply important to you during a formative period of time where like you grew, basically grew up together Mm -hmm. and then the time starts to matter a lot, lot less like that passes between when you see each other, when you talk, because Mm -hmm. you're always going to have this like bond that keeps Mm -hmm. you together. And I think that that's very different than like, Oh, well, when we lived in the same place at the same time, this was someone who was really fun to go out with at night. And like, we had a great time, but we didn't support each other through any foundational moments. Well, I think that's what it is. And it's much easier to just like have those things fade. And I'm curious for, curious for people who are having kids now and making new friends through their children, Mm -hmm. because that is such a um, kind of ingraining like, intense life stage that they are not going through are do they have that same experience with you know will they in in 20 years even if they don't see this friend they made when their kid was a toddler um yeah i think you're right i think it goes to to i mean i i have friends from college that are in that same bucket too even though they don't see very often because that was a very formative time period but how do you make friends as an adult um like what are some actual 
ways because when you're a kid, it's school, right? It's the built-in friendship right. activity. And it is much easier like to maintain as well because mm. you can casually, even if you don't go up to someone on the playground and say, you want to be my friend, you end up seeing someone every day pretty much. Like if someone's yes. on your sports team or someone's in your class or whatever, like you are seeing them every single day. You're not like needing to put in a ton of effort to that. Which sometimes is a problem because if you are like decide you hate this person, then you have to see them every yes, we, day. Yes, we were talking about my high school nemesis yesterday. Yeah. But we won't name names. No, no, no. Um, yeah. Don't <laughs> so, want to get sued. <laughs> it's much uh, yeah easier to have a nemesis now you're unlikely to see them I guess unless they're at work but whole separate whole thing. separate that issue whole separate we're thing. not talking about making enemies as an adult we're talking about making friends we can make that as a later podcast yeah. how, you want to make some enemies do you not have enough enemies <laughs> we'll teach you how very well on this podcast i don't have that many enemies but anyways friends um yeah i do i think it takes it just takes so much more like concerted effort in even with friends that we already have. I think, like, that, I think it has to be a choice. It has to be a choice. Sometimes everyone's busy. Everyone has a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Like unless it, unless you're literally only trying to make friends with someone in your office, like mm-hmm. you have to go out of your way to put yourself into a situation where you're going to meet new people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really hard. Like growing up or in college or whatever, there were always like so many like clubs and extracurricular activities and just like ways to meet extra people. Right. Now, like, I mean, there's like those fun little, like, um, like the club sport type of things, like rec sport things. I was hoping you'd mention that. The, my friends. You're in a book club. Yes. The, the friends of mine who have made the most adult friendships, um, have done it through clubs like that, yeah, like actual too. clubs. I'm not an expert in this because my friends are either people. Oh, is your phone talking? Is your phone want to be part of this podcast? Yeah, sorry, that was Siri. No, that's fine. Everyone, Siri everyone says, listening has. Do you want to be friends? Yeah, will you be my friend? Yeah. Uh, but all of my friends are pretty much. I met them in college. I met them in high school. Uh, they're friends of yours that I absorbed, or their family, uh, or, or or we worked together at some point. You know, for the for the most part, right? Um, but I do have friends who join running groups mm-hmm. and do all these things, and I admire that. But that t- that takes a lot. That takes a lot of work. But I think if you move to a different city, though, especially, yeah. you, you miss out on the the foundational friends from your childhood that you're kind of carrying over like I have. Um, and you kind of have to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm no expert. When I, so I went to college in Boston and then stayed for the better part of a decade. Yeah. And there were some college friends that stuck around. Um, but a lot of people, you know, dispersed and whatever. And I mm-hmm. just had less of a built in network there. Sure. And I did have to put in more effort than I did when I moved back to Rochester. And what did you do? So I joined some like networking groups mm-hmm. and like um, got really involved at the spin studio, which I wound up working at. So I sort of created friends through that. Yeah. Um, Like fitness friends, I guess, or mm. like, yeah. And I just had to put in, I think more, more effort to that. And those friendships for the most part, aren't ones that made it into that sort of like inner you know, yeah. like when I moved away, yeah, it, they were more of like, it gave me a network and a community when I lived there. Yeah. But the effort to stay in touch with a lot of those more peripheral friendship people that were more of like, okay, well I have someone to go out to dinner with or someone to like go to a yoga class with or someone to do whatever with. Mm-hmm. Um, they were more sort of like surfacey friendships. Sure. Um, that probably could have been nurtured mm-hmm. either had I stayed in Boston or 
had I wanted to put in that effort to water them. It's so certainly speak, quality but, over quantity. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. As an adult. Yeah. But I also at that point was like, it was the pandemic. Basically everyone was a remote friend at that point. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, how many zoom zoom calls with my friends a week can I do? Like right. you kind of had to right. like right, right, right. pick and choose like how many people you were going to stay in touch with from afar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, moving back here, like I hang out with friends of mine that I've been friends with my entire life who also moved back. Sure. And then I've made a lot of friends through you. I don't think you have any friends in our, that we hang out with on a regular basis here in Rochester that you didn't absorb through me or that you met when you were much younger. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've made zero new friends in yeah. Rochester. Like I've reconnected with some people since moving back who I like hadn't stayed in touch with. Yeah. But I still knew them way back when. Right. When there was <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. Do you, do you think there is do you think adults have less of a, a bandwidth for friends? I mean, like, I, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like when I was younger, it was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll hang out with this person and that person. And now I'm tired. And I <laughs> I have, like, there's, like, one of my... Chris uh, has no new friends. Cool, like, I hang out with uh, some uh, a really close buddy once a week. Uh, like, we have this, like, it's regular standing, like, date uh, where we watch a show together. And, you know, occasionally some other friends and we see family and that's, like, the regular. Whereas, like, when you're, when you're a teenager, you're going out Thursday night. You're going, you know, Friday night or whatever, you know, Saturday night. You can't fit as many in. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's, I think it's twofold. I also think. Not that people are like knocking on the door being like, would you be my friend? You know, like. Right. I think time and and energy and whatever Mm -hmm. in general, obviously it's different when you're a kid. And again, as we've said, like it, like most of my high school friends, we were all on the swim team together. Mm -hmm. So like I hung out with them daily. Yeah. But we didn't have to put any effort into hanging out daily. Right, right, right. We were just put in the same place at the same time. Yeah. And that does not happen. Can we talk? Like now, but, well. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, I do think the other thing is that the younger you are, to a certain extent, the less potentially emotional investment you need in a friendship for it to still feel like a very good friendship. Okay. Like you go and you hang out and you have fun and you play and like, mm-hmm. Do your thing. Sure. You're not like sitting and having these like really deep talks about like life and relationships. Balding, you know, and. Oh, yeah. Balding is not something that comes up a lot, but we talk a lot about like aging parents and yeah, like having kids and like job stability and And money and trying to buy a home. And like that takes a lot of mental energy for sure in a way that going to play Foursquare, so to speak does not and when you're an adult every moment i think i have to imagine that every moment that you spend with somebody else you're thinking well i could be spending this with my son you know like it has to be like mm-hmm. or I could be spending this with my husband or wife or you know the friend i i have that like i already know we're tight you know so you're kind of like picking and choosing because you have this much less time where to spend your time bucks right and there's just other things that need to happen like I am someone who I know I crave social interaction and like Mm -hmm. I'm happier when like I have weekend plans and whatever, but that often means that I'm like could clean the house we don't, or could hang out with a friend Yeah, and I'll usually choose hanging out with a friend. And I know a lot of other people are like, I'm going to choose adulting and it's okay if I don't see my friends for a month or whatever. But for me, like, 
I'm much more of an extrovert, I think, in that sense, where I, I get energy from social interaction. One thing I want to make sure that we talk about, because I think it's fascinating, is for a lot of kids, you have a labeled best friend. Mm-hmm. And it is one of these things where, like, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe this was just how I was. You tell me if this was, like, as a kid, even through high school, I would introduce people as, this is my best friend. You know, almost <laughs> as if, like, it was their legal title, uh-huh. you know? And it was this big thing. And as an adult, you still do have, so, like, you very often do have a friend or two who are, you're closer with, uh-huh. but you don't use that title. Like, they're, they're like, if, if I, like, the guy that I hang out the most with, if I were to say, like, this is my best friend, like, if I was at, like, a bar, I think he'd be like, okay. You know, like, yeah. it's just not as, it's not as used. It's not as much of a thing. Is it? Or, or am I crazy? No, no, I also, I agree that it's not, but I do think going back to the wedding thing, like, it's interesting because, yeah, when we were younger, you would have your best friend. We had, like, MySpace Top 8. Ooh. And it feels like that's that a little bit how, like, wedding parties work now. Problems. It's, it's... Uh, it's weird. The, the, you know, I did, a little, I did a little, like, quick history uh, on, like, the history of wedding parties. And we're not historians, so I'm not sure what of these things are actually true mm-hmm. because the actual history is very convoluted. But it is bizarre and kind of dark and involves stories from ancient times where, like, the groomsmen were, like, their job... Like the grooms, my groomsmen now are to make sure like their job is to make sure I, I get drunk at my bachelor party and uh, show up, show up at the day and, you know, whatever, help get subs from Wegmans or whatever. Their job was to very often kidnap the bride, according to uh, some of the, you know, some of the history sites that I've been reading, kidnap the bride uh, and the best man had to stand next to her to make sure she didn't run away at the altar. Oh my God. And some of the people say that like the wedding party dressed like the bride and the groom to confuse people who might try and harm the newlyweds. That's the, I mean, think about it. Like, you Should do, we cancel having wedding parties? Like, it's I. So again, we're not historians. I don't know what of this is actually fact-based. I don't know if anybody knows, but if you look- if you, I'm very if you, afraid your best man's going to capture me now. I'm so, I promise I'm not going to run away. That'd be hilarious. Oh God. Yeah. Um. So who knows what of, of all that is true? Now I think people have a wedding party out of tradition, out of having a formal support system. That's yeah, you know, exactly. to be like, hey, you're in the wedding party. Can you pick up the subs from Wegmans? Uh, but I do think that they're unnecessary. Like I don't think you like I, I I think the people in my wedding party would do all of the things they're doing anyways. Even if I didn't say, hey, can you match my suit? Right. You know, can you go get a thing from Men's Warehouse that looks like mine? You know. <laughs> so that nobody so that so that we can confuse the people who might uh try and harm me on my wedding day yeah you know oh my gosh wow that's wild yeah but huh what yeah no i'm i'm concerned about all of that and <laughs> i'm actually a little surprised this is obviously a tangent but i have done a lot of research over the years of weird things about weddings and like how oh like no one really thinks about the meaning behind certain traditions that mm-hmm. have lived on. And some of them really like when I've read into them, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so concerning. Like we could never do this. But for whatever reason, I've never looked up the history of like why people have wedding parties. I just know that it's something that has um, ebbed and flowed like become popular and less popular. And po- like in the 80s, when mm-hmm. our parents got married, having big wedding parties was like out of style was it yeah apparently um and obviously in recent years like having huge wedding parties Mm -hmm. has been like huge wedding parties with like matching dresses has been super super in Mm -hmm. now mismatches in apparently as of this year mismatch mismatch dresses oh yeah according to 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 the bridal 
interwebs. The, the bridal webs. The bridal webs. Um, the TikToks. Uh, so like it all changes. Like just mm. like with everything with weddings, I feel like there are fads. And so there's been fads around wedding parties, but I've never looked into the history before. Don't. I wish that you hadn't told me that three weeks before our wedding. <laughs> well, also the term bridesmaid, it's because very often they were servants, according to like even their stories in the Bible of uh, some of the weddings uh, having like the brides had maids who did things for them. So it wasn't necessarily people that were close to them. It was people that it was they were servants at times. Again, not a historian. This is what the internet has told me, which is always true, obviously. We know this. You're giving me this weird look. Yeah, no, I just am feeling my heart rate levels rise. Um, if any of my bridal party are listening, I don't consider you my servants. So No. I consider my groomsmen my servants, of course. Oh, okay. Yes, and we are going to kidnap you uh, at some point to make sure you arrive. I'm not going to sleep between now and the wedding now. <laughs> um, next week on Married Millennials on Mics, we're going to talk about how bachelor and bachelorette parties are changing Mm-hmm. And more specifically, did you and I survive ours? Well, are we going to, is the podcast actually going to happen? Next I was going to say, who knows? You'll find out if there's a podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully probably hungover. Oh God. Oh God.